thanksgiving and praise tonight. Amen. God is good all the time. Yes, he is. We have a few written requests tonight. We um, have a request from Sister uh, Laura, pastor, Brother Joseph, uh, hurt his back at work today and, and needs a touch from the Lord, so we're uh, looking to the Lord to touch our brother tonight. Also, uh, our brother Dan and Sister Denise just lost their daughter, Michelle. Uh, 43 years old to cancer so we remember that family in our prayers and also brother Jonathan and his family I think he lost his aunt last uh, Sunday was it and uh, had the funeral today so let's just be in prayer for them that God will be with them and comfort them also we want to continue to remember sister Veronica in our prayers and, and brother Ron and sister Becky Jones has an unspoken request we want to remember her in our prayers and Sister Melissa, Sister Angelina's daughter, we want to continue to remember her in prayer as well tonight. And our pastor, he's here tonight and uh, ready to deliver. And we're ready to receive tonight. And let's just pray that the Lord will give him strength as he's speaking tonight in, in pain. But we'll just pray by the time the service is over, there won't be any. God is able to do that. How many believe that way tonight? Amen. If you have something on your heart, just make it known by an uplifted hand. Because Sister Shirley gets to see you. Back tonight, Lord bless you. Brother Jonathan, come ahead tonight, please. Man, you happy to be in church tonight? I tell you what, it's good to be home. It's good to be rested, maybe. So let's just have service tonight. What do y'all say? Amen. Let's pray to him. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, once again, Lord, we've come to receive from you, Lord. Lord, we know as Christians, Lord, there's just something about coming into the house of God and singing your songs and worshiping with you, Lord, and hearing your word. It just, it encourages us to keep going. Lord, we ask you to come tonight, Lord Jesus, in a special way, Lord, and Lord, move amongst your people, Lord, touch by the mark, Lord, the musicians, Lord, and Lord, just anoint an atmosphere of worship and praise that, Lord, we can be ready to receive from you. We ask you to be with our pastor, Lord, touch this foot. Lord, we ask you to touch it completely, Lord, and Lord, not leave nothing for the doctor to do, but just to move down in a miraculous way, Lord, and raise him up, Lord Jesus, that he could just walk out by faith and receive the complete healing. Lord, we ask you for these requests, Lord, and Lord, many needs laying amongst us, Lord. Many, Lord, as the enemy would come in and fight us, Lord, but Lord, he's not victorious. 
Lord, you're victorious and your bride is victorious. And we stand by faith, gathered together tonight, Lord, to send your Holy Spirit to each and every need, Lord, that you would provide a miracle in their lives, Lord, that, Lord, you would just touch them and heal them in every way, Lord. Touch the minds of the people, the unspoken requests, Lord, the hands lifted, the, the hearts crying out, Lord. Would you move down and answer every situation, Lord? And, Lord, we ask you to be with us now, Lord, and come receive your worship. Lord, as we would like to worship you, we would ask you and invite you to come worship with us, Lord. Walk down every aisle of every heart, Lord. And, Lord, lift us up, encourage us, Lord, and make us closer to thee, Lord. Lord, we give you the honor. We give you the praise. In your lovely name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. do invite him to be with us tonight because without him we can do nothing without him i can do nothing but with him all things are possible amen let's sing this oh where do i go when there is no one else to turn to who When there's no one that wants to listen, and who do I lean on? When there's no foundation stable, I go to the rock. I know he's able, I go to the rock. Oh, I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run into the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. When the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, when I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. Now where do I hide? Where do I hide? Till all the storms have all passed over, where do I run to? When the winds of sorrow threaten, and is there refuge, refuge? In the time of tribulation, when my soul needs consolation, I go to the rock. thankful for a shelter we can go to tonight. Go to the rock. Amen. Keep
Oh, and as I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. And he leads me safely through the seeking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. Now this would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me do the best that I can. For I need thy life to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Oh, Jesus, hold my hand. I need every hour. Oh, and through this pilgrim land, protect me by. blessed way and keep me that I may be holy that sing redemption song someday oh I will be a soldier brave and true and ever firmly take a stand as I onward go and daily Jesus, hold my hand. Oh, Jesus, hold my hand. For I need, I need thee every hour. All through this pilgrim land, protect your desire. Lord, hold my hand. I need you every hour through this pilgrim land. Amen. Keep me. Oh, to me he's become everything and he is everything that I need. The beginning 
Jesus a game that they play and others a song they sing. But since I met Jesus, I'm happy to say all to me. He's become everything. Yes, to me, he's become everything. And he is everything I need. The beginning, the end, he's life's dearest friend. And to morning he's right by my side at night he's my last thought in mind he is joy for each moment he's hope that faith brings and to me he's become everything oh to me he's become everything and he is everything that I And soon I'll soar like an eagle. High on wings of grace. Oh, far into the heavens. Far into the heavens. Where I can almost. Satan tries to put things in front of us that look so big, but just think of it from heaven's point of view. It's just a little, little dot, a little nothing. 
Amen. And that's the way it is with our Lord tonight. I'm going to give you the option. If you want to stand, you can stand. But if you're tired, it's on Wednesday evening. You're welcome to have your seats tonight. But you still got to worship God. Either way. Amen. Give Jesus. Out on the waters, the storm's raging high. The waters around them were troubled that and fear filled their hearts And they thought they would die But they failed to remember That the Master was nigh Oh, and He spoke the words And the winds all stood still And even the Just like he will mind If I'll just remember That he lives deep inside So why should I worry And why should I fear When the very same Jesus He stays always
Why should we worry and why should we fear? He's the very same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's sing this. Oh, God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest hour, His light will shine. God is good. can testify that tonight. God is good all the time. In my darkest hour, his light will shine. Praise the Lord. One more song. Has fear and doubts come against your mind? Has your faith Sorely tried. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Here it comes. Here comes your help. It is Jesus, and for you, He has died. Hey! 
You can have your seats as we have our brothers to come and receive the evening offering. You just give to the Lord, and I know he'll bless you. Tomorrow is a, a very special day for me and my family because little Parker Elizabeth is celebrating her first birthday. seemed like she was just born, and here she is turning one. Let's give little Parker a hand tonight. That certainly has changed my life, I'll tell you that. Man, I didn't know this kind of stuff could be pulled out of me, but here it is. Whatever it is you want, you can have it, you know. But anyway, we're just uh, happy to be a grandparent tonight, I'll tell you that. And, amen. Brother Ben, it's so good to have you again. We're, we're glad that your tires are getting an opportunity to cool off just a little bit and spend a few services with us. And, and I'd love for you to come sing for us again tonight, if you will, you and Sister Samantha, or however you got it planned, brother. Some folks may 
make you feel good tonight. God is real in my soul. Yes, he is. Praise the Lord. Is he real in your soul tonight? Half of us sound like he is. Praise the Lord. My God is real. I can feel him, and I'm so glad that I can feel him. What would I do if I couldn't feel the presence of the Lord in my life? I tell you, I'd be lost. <laughs> I would just be pure lost. No telling where I'd be without the Lord tonight in his presence. Thank you, Brother Brian. I appreciate that. Amen. Let's sing this together as we invite our pastor tonight. Please be in prayer for him. That God will just strengthen him and touch him as he delivers the word to us tonight. The kid being. We place you in the highest place. For you are the great high priest, and we place you high above all else. Him in the highest place tonight, and we come to you, and we worship, and we worship at your feet. Oh, we place you in the highest place. In the highest place for you, he's the great high priest, are the great high priest, and we place
one more time. Let's see. We place you. Oh, and we we place you. Hallelujah. In the highest. In the highest. Yes, he is. He's worthy of all praise. For you, you're the great high priest. Are the great high priest, and we place you high above all else. And we come to you house of the Lord tonight. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. I want to thank you so much for your prayers tonight. I believe prayer is working. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for your prayers, Brother Nathan, I wouldn't be here tonight. But I believe God is able to hear the cry of his children tonight. You believe that? He's a prayer answering God. I believe that we're living at such a, a wonderful time of the coming of the Lord and uh, th this quote just, just sort of jumped out of me right before I left the offices in the message. Um, I believe the uh, I Know It Not, 1965, August the 15th. Brother Ram said, let's think of the Laosian church age and its condition today. As far as I know, I don't see anything to enter at this time the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ outside of the readiness of his church. Isn't that amazing? People say, oh, I'm waiting on the rapture. God is saying, I'm waiting on you to get ready. You know, I, I believe God is bringing the people to that place. He's trimming off the rough edges. He's filing us down. We've had a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of inspiration, a lot of revelation, a lot of things. But God is saying to us tonight, you know what? You know a lot and you've got a lot, but I want you to get ready. And that's all God's waiting for tonight is the readiness of the church. May God make us ready tonight uh, is my prayer. What a privilege to be back with you. We thank God for his many blessings. We appreciate all the good preaching that's been going on around the church here. Brother Ben started it off with an inspiring message. Praise the Lord. Amen. We certainly appreciate that. Then we had Brother Canaan who came in and always shake things up around here. We certainly appreciate him. And then what a surprise we had from our precious brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. What a surprise. A homegrown uh, brother here in the, in the local assembly. And uh, we certainly appreciate Brother Brad uh, Powell uh, for coming and ministering uh, to us uh, last Wednesday. And then, of course, our precious brother David Gadman. And he weighed you in the balance on Sunday. Hallelujah. And you know, little did he know, I have a message coming behind that title, The Scales of Judgment. Yes. You know, one of these days, God's going to weigh the nation. Right. He's going to put kings and monarchs and everybody on that scale. There'll be a scale of judgment coming by the grace of God. May the Lord help us 
is my prayer. Happy to be with you in the house of the Lord. I'm going to attempt to deliver tonight by God's grace. And you know, you, you get into these series and then you teach. And this is what it is tonight is teaching. And then a couple weeks go by and we forget everything. It's kind of like being in school. I appreciate the musicians tonight. Thank you so much. And if I were to ask you the last time a minister in the family what I spoke on, I'm sure you couldn't remember. You know, I don't, I don't, bl- I don't blame you for that. But I, I, just in case we have lost everything we've been talking about, I just want to get back in the channel and just uh, talk to you a little bit. Is that all right? Hey, listen, teaching is going to place the church. You know that. Hallelujah. I appreciate, I appreciate every gift in the body of Christ. What we ever do without our evangelists. What we ever do with the apostles or the teachers or the prophets or the pastors. We need all of them, Ephesians 4, to bring the church to perfection. This is why you can't have one fold and say, well, you know, all I want is just a prophet or all I want is just a pastor. You got to take everything God gives. You can't have an a la carte attitude towards God and say, well, you know, I, I got the prophet or I got my pastor and that's all I need. God says there'll be a fivefold ministry that will bring the church into perfection. Do you believe that tonight? Aren't you glad for these evangelists that God has given us in our local church here who are going out and being a blessing to the bride of Christ and helping the body of Christ, bringing us together for uh, the perfection of the rapture? Praise God. Well, we certainly love you. Uh, remember the South Carolina meetings and uh, also our uh, homecoming services here in August, I think 19th and 20th with Brother uh, Tim Pruitt. Uh, and I'm tempted to add another service to that, but we'll just see uh, what the Lord will uh, do for us. But I do want to thank you for all your prayers. It's certainly good to be home. I was hoping to be here on Sunday, and I tried my very best. But I'm here tonight by the grace of the Lord. Sister Amber, I want to thank you. She came by the house this morning and fitted me in this boot. So today, I'm going to, tonight, I'm going to kick the devil in this boot. I'm going to give him the boot by the grace of God, the Lord helping us. So, and I thought it was just a perfect fit. I wasn't limping anything. I thought, man, that boot was just made for me. And I think there's a couple of people actually in this church that wore the same boot. So this is an anointed boot tonight. <laughs> Amen. We're just going to go on and kick the devil. Now, hey, you might as well. He is used to being kicked out. The Bible says that. Yeah, he was kicked out of heaven. So he might as well kick him. He's used to being kicked around. Amen. So we appreciate you tonight. We certainly love you. And we thank God for our brothers being home. I certainly appreciate Brother Ben and Brother Jonathan. Encouraged me tonight to have them home with me. I'm going to get right back into our series tonight. If you would um, go in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 11. While you're finding that, keep me in prayer in the morning. Um, I'm to see uh, a family doctor to get a second opinion on um, some, some of this stuff that's going on, and I, I, I'm not that quick to surrender to the knife. I know that God can heal, and doctors, they're doing their job. You go to a surgeon, that's the first thing they want to do is cut you, and that's what they do, but I believe God is able to heal and to bring healing to the body. Do you believe that? I made that mistake one time before, and I'm not going to do it again. And they'll tell you, you'll be out of here. All we got to do is put a poke here, and a poke, uh, not a poke over here, and you you know you'll be you'll be down for about three weeks and then in two days you can go back in your office. Well, I sat in the office for three months. You remember that? So I'm just believing God. Just help me pray. The Lord help me to um, get through it. We appreciate you. The adjustments are going well. I had a really good adjustment today and just it's helping my hip and my back again. So thank you for your continuing prayers. Proverbs chapter eleven verses twenty nine. Do you love him? God is just so wonderful to us, isn't he? 
what will we ever do without church? Amen. You know, friends, in a day where people are quitting church and they're, they're using every excuse, the message. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, the message is wrong. Uh, well, well, why are they going on with God? They want to know more about Jesus Christ. We didn't know anything about Jesus until we had a prophet. We didn't even know how to baptize. We're baptized. We knew three gods. But praise God, there's only one. Hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. Aren't you thankful for the revelation of Jesus Christ? Praise God. Forget about all these nonsense that's going on out in the world. We, we got Jesus on our side. Proverbs eleven twenty nine. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. And the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. What a scripture. What a scripture. You know, no one ever set out to cause problems or create uh, conflict. No one ever set out in their minds to, you know what, I, I'm just going to have an ought or have uh, some sort of a, a grudge or a whole sor- some sort of bitterness against someone. No one starts off that way. It is life. That sometimes stares us in that direction. But here the, uh, Solomon is saying. He that troubleth his own house. In other words. The person who gives in to that flaw. Then he becomes. He troubles his own household. And not just the family. But the church family. And everything that surrounds us. I believe that God wants us to live peaceable. Don't you believe that? I believe there's ever a people on the earth. That shall have peace. And possess peace. That's the bride of Christ. Because we have heard the message, Shalom. Peace to the bride of Jesus Christ. And James 4 and 1. James is going into it the entire uh, 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 chapter here from uh, verses 1 through verses uh, 12 or yeah, 12 deals with uh, dealing with conflict. In, in family, and um, we, we've, we've talked about some of this, and we'll recap just a little bit and then try to finish it up. For whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Look, James is being pointed in the scripture. He's saying that. If there's, if there's any wars or if there's any fightings, they didn't come from the other person. They come because of the lust that is in our member. The desire. I showed you in the last few segments that this lust here is not a sensual perverted lust. It is, this, it is a desire for things or to see certain things executed. So he's not speaking about sensuality here. He's actually talking about our desire. What causes us to have conflict with someone is because of a desire. It could be an ill desire. It could be a desire that is selfish. It's uh, self-centered. It is, it, is, it is not considerate. It is not taking into uh, perspective uh, the entire bigger picture of everything. And if we would admit a minute tonight that 99% of our problems that we have, uh, the problem starts with us. And it stems right back to what James is saying. From whence come wars and fightings? Come they not from our lust? 
our desire to want, our desire to have, our desire to uh, want to be the focal point, to be the center of it all, to be on top of everything. And there is nothing wrong with that if it is channeled in the right directions. So we're going we're to deal some more on this, the Lord helping us. Uh, the family, uh, part 15, we're dealing with conflict in family, and this is uh, part 3 uh, under that title of conflict. Let's pray tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your amazing grace, and thank you for this opportunity that we have tonight to be back with the believers. Lord, I'm just so excited to see each smiling faces, uh, to be reunited with my family, the people, Lord, of whom I will spend eternity with. Thank you, Lord, for our ministering brothers who are back in our gates tonight, for blessing their meetings, Lord, for using them, for making them flames of fire, Lord, as evangelists that will go in, Lord, and stir a congregation. It takes a gifted man to do that, Father. An evangelist is a special man, a special person. No one can take his place. We thank you, Lord, for these brethren. We thank you for the saints here. We pray, God, that you'll meet the needs among us, heal the sick, mend the broken heart, and lift up the weak, and set the captives free. Reclaim the backsliders tonight, Lord. We love you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the church says, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, a few weeks back, we dealt with uh, part one, the causes of conflict in family. In part two, the cure for conflict in family. And I give you six solutions to uh, cure conflicts in family. And there are seven with the promise to elaborate on the six being uh, don't be critical and judgmental of others. Now, I, 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 took, I took some time to, today to actually venture into the Bible to see what God actually had to say about judging and judgments. Now, I also took some time to research in the message what the prophet, prophet actually, what was his view about a passing judgment or, 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 or making a, a judgment against an individual. And Brother Ben, surprisingly, there was only 24 places he actually dealt with judging, and it was never particularly in a personal way towards a person because of their behavior or maybe because of a disagreeance. Most of the time he talked about judging, he was referring to that our judgment comes by the word. And we are judged by the word. You see, the problem is when we become personable, when we begin to engage our flesh with the other party, then we take God out of this equation. So we understand now, Paul now speaking, he says, from whence come wars and fighting. And he's actually speaking about being combative, variance, disputant in this passage here. And he lays it out for us, the entire fourth chapter deals with dealing with family conflicts. Whether it's an immediate family, it's a church family, or a community is dealing with this problem, and it is not excluded from the church. It is not excluded from our lives. It's not excluded from the operation of our lives. 
whether we're engaging in a particular area of business or perhaps with uh, associates or as we would tonight, a church family, it is very important to understand that uh, conflicts are going to confront us. And as believers tonight, we must have a ready mind to know that, God, I want to have a relationship with my family and God's family that's free from wars and fightings. Friends, I'll tell you this tonight, that uh, you know what's hindering the rapture? It's the fightings and the wars that we have in this message. It's the divisions that we have uh, and the arrows that we point towards each other. It's a selfish spirit that has crept into the body of Christ. But I pray that God will make us all ready tonight. I believe if we're going to ever uh, make the rapture, then we are going to have to be free from these conflicts uh, uh, of our brethren. So uh, let me just kind of recap just a little bit. I give you uh, six solutions, and I'm not going to elaborate on them. You can go back in part one and two and catch it. Uh, One was God's grace. We need God's grace, and I give you the scripture uh, to deal with conflict in family too. I give in to God, and the Bible said, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist that temptation to want to be combative or to be argumentative. You know, some people, they just love to argue. They love a good argument. They thrive on a good argument. They enjoy it. It's like gas in their, in, their, in their bodies. It just does something for them. This is why I know what I'm dealing with as a pastor. Uh, certain people that are combative and argumentative, I know just to take them with just a grain of salt. Because they're wired that way. As I said a couple of weeks ago, don't get in a fight of a husband and wife. Because you're going to end up getting beat up. Because some folks, they enjoy a good fight. That's what makes their marriage. I know this is outside of the ordinary uh, marriage counseling. Oh, you can't can't have fights. You can't have quarrels. Let me tell you, some of the best marriages that I know are people who quarrel and stew, but they know how to make love. I'm just going to be playing with you tonight. Amen. They know how to make up. They know just how to do it because they just that way. And then uh, number three, resist Satan. Number four, draw closer to God. Number five, be sorrowful for the conflicts. I can give you the scriptures for it. And then six, don't be critical and judgmental of others. Now to elaborate on the six. James said in James 4 and 11, Speak not evil one of another brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but... A judge. Listen to this. This is powerful stuff tonight. He's saying here, let me read this now. I I did last time from the emphatic uh, dialogue. Uh, It says, don't criticize or speak evil about each other, dear brothers. If you do, you will be fighting against God's law of loving one another. Declaring is wrong. 
But your job is not to decide whether this law is right or wrong, but to obey it. Is that correct? It's not up to us to decide that. He is the lawgiver. We are just the ones to carry out what God has said to us. He goes on, only he who made the law can rightly judge among us. Is that right? He alone decides to save us or destroy. So what right do we have to judge or criticize others? The biggest problem we have, if we would admit it tonight, is our critical spirit. It's our judgmental spirit. You know why? Because people does not fit our mold or what we think is right. And automatically we are ready to put them outside of what we, our thought is. But friends, people don't have to measure up to our standards, our criteria, or how we do things. They measure up with the Word of God. Is that right? God's Word is the measuring stick. God's Word is the absolute. So don't just judge me because I do things a little outside of the norm. Is that correct? I love the way the, the, the emphatic dialogue put that. It's beautiful. And we don't have the right to be critical or judgmental of the other because we don't have all the facts. First of all, we don't know all the facts. Secondly, we don't have all the facts. I guarantee 99% of the time when a person is being judgmental and uh, judging someone uh, and being critical, they don't have all the facts. I guarantee if you get those two people together and begin to then take piece by piece, everything suddenly they'll change their views and say, you know what, I, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. That's why we should not be judgmental and critical of anyone. Is that correct? Praise God. Let's God. Let God's word be the judge. Oh, well, I know they shouldn't be doing this or they shouldn't be doing that. That's right. Let God's word be the judge of all of that. Many times we attempt to build ourselves up by tearing others down. This is all a judgmental spirit does. This is all a critical spirit does. It makes you feel superior. It makes you feel uh, uh, spiritual. It makes you feel uh, better. It makes you feel like you're higher above someone. It makes you feel good. It is a false stimulation. Is that correct? You see, criticism is futile. It is serving no Useful purpose, completely ineffective. And it puts a person on the defensive and causes them to justify themselves. No man should justify themselves to you. God is the judge. He is the only judge. There's only one supreme judge, and that's Jesus Christ. He wore the white wig in Revelation. And he still wears the white wig. You believe it? It's a very, very horrible thing when someone has to feel like they have to explain themselves. 
You know, I ask God this every day, Brother Ben. God, help me to be the kind of person that would not put a person in that position where they feel like they have to answer to me. Who am I? Who am I? God has not made me the judge. And this is one of the uh, very, very critical uh, areas uh, in family that causes major conflicts. It's because we're measuring people by our measuring sticks. We're trying to put them through the channel of our thinking. You believe it? None of us are the same. We all have a different mind. None of our thumbprints are the same. We are all wired differently, and God made us that way. Therefore, we are to support, love, and honor one another. You believe it? Criticism is dangerous because it wounds a person's pride and arouses resentments. Criticism is vain because in judging others, we regard ourselves as more righteous than they. Criticizing is an obsessive attitude of criticism and fault-finding that seeks to tear others down and maliciously destroy one character. You see, God, God does not, one day we'll judge. But this is not the day. Let the word does that do the judging. Amen. One day we'll sit for Christ on the throne and we will judge nations. The Bible says that. We will judge nations. We will judge kings. We will judge monarchs. We will judge leaders of nations. And we will be the scales of judgment on that day. But right now God wants us to turn the word inside. Turn the word inward, not outside. Are you with me now? God help us in my prayer. I think the first cure of family conflicts that I give you is you need more grace. Amen. You need more grace. Isn't that what James said there in James 4 and 3? That God give us more grace to the humble. If you want to end conflict in family, then you need more grace. You need to have more grace. And to have more grace, you need more humility. Because you cannot have grace without humility. You believe it? To take it a step further, to end family conflicts, you not only need more grace, but more love. Amen. Is that correct? I ended there in a message of grace. Brother Bram said in 1961, August the 27th, think of it. Love and grace is sisters. Twin sisters. You can't have grace without having love. Pardon me. They're sisters. Exactly right. Before you can have grace, you got to have love. Because you can't actually show somebody a favor. Uh, you love them, right or wrong. You have to love them anyhow. Or you can't see. So love and grace is the same. They're just twin sisters. That's all love and grace. We can't see one without the other. I want you to think about that. How many of you like to have more grace? I need it every day, friends. I need to have more grace in my life. And you know what? I need not just human grace, but God's grace. And if I'm going to ever come to the place 
of, uh, of catching God's attention. It'll be through my love. Because love and grace are twin sisters. And I need the grace of God every day. Because every day in this flesh, I, I maybe make the wrong judgments. Or maybe say the wrong thing. Or maybe act ahead of God. Or maybe be hesitant uh, with God. And God, I want God to give me more grace. I will give you three things we need to remember that will help us not to be critical of, uh, uh, or, or judgmental of others. One, remember who the others are. You need to remember who the others are that you're judging. Look at the threefold repetition in the scripture of brethren, brother, and brother, James 4.11. Again, I will attempt to break this down. And I want you to stay with me. Look at the scripture now. Speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. Remember who the others are. Are you with me now? They are your brothers. They are your sisters. They're not just another family member or another uh, member of the church. They are your brethren, your brothers. Three times James nailed this down in the scripture. So one, remember who the others are. If you only remember, you know what? That is my brother. That is my sister. You'll be very careful how you're passing a critical, a critical uh, slang or, or judgmental towards that person. Because you will quickly remember, that is my brother. That is my sister. That is my family. That is who I will spend eternity with. You know, this reminds us of the family relationship that we have with our family as Christians. And Christians are to love and support and care and protect each other. Is that right? This is what, this is what the community of the church is. It's to love, support, care, and protect each other. If you look at the other person and remember who they are, then you will thrive to love and support and care and protect that person. You know why? Because they are your family in Christ. You believe it? And if other Christian families are viewed as those who were chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be the redeemed of Jesus Christ, then our immediate family should be viewed the same way. Is that right? Oftentimes in a family, we get common. We become familiar with one another. And we fail to realize that my wife is my sister. My husband is my brother. My daughter, my grandmother, my grandfather. They are not just immediate families, but they are Christian families. Are you with me now? So uh, as, we, as we look at this now, it's rather important that those who are the elected tonight 
uh, who are loved and honored by God, with whom we will spend eternity with. We should seek and thrive to, to, to honor and love and, and to protect them as we would the person that we actually call our brother. I'll call you brother because I'm to, I'm to watch out for you. I'm to have your back. I, we, we, we should be able to look at each other and say, you know what? I've got your back. Remember who they are. I want you to remember that one. Remember, before you go to judging and passing critical comments, remember who they are. They are the redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah. You believe it? I believe the first step to avoid criticizing and judging others is in our families to keep our thoughts right about others. They are brothers and our sisters in the Lord. I believe Solomon caught this revelation of his wife, and, he, and it applies to every other title uh, of the family. Husband, wife, mother, father, children, grandchildren, uh, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and the list goes on, etc. And Solomon says in the Songs of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 9, uh, 10, and 12, I sort of put it together for you. He said, Thou has ravished my heart. My sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with, uh, with one of thine eyes, with one uh, chain of thy neck. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. What was he doing here? He was looking at his spouse as his sister. You realize if we begin to look at our family members as Christian members in the body of Christ, it'll be very, very, it'll be very easy for us to say, you know what, that's my brother. After all, in my flesh, we might be flesh and blood, but we're more than flesh and blood. We are, we are family in Jesus Christ. We have God's genes running inside of us. And beyond this flesh, beyond this body, we are, we are family in God's whole family. I love the way he said it. He said, my sister, my spouse. So remember who they are. Remember that. When you go to judging, remember who you're judging. You're not judging the, the unbelievers out there. You're not judging the make-believers. You're judging brothers and sisters because in the passage in verses 11, James made it very clear, and he said there, Brethren, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. Three times he identified who it is that we are speaking evil of. And why would we want to have that desire to even speak evil of a brother if they are part of the body of Christ? And I'm telling you how that God can help us to avoid these, these uh, conflicts that are going on in our lives. <clears throat> Let me move on to number two. Remember who God is. Remember who God is. There's only one lawgiver, and that is God. There's only one judge, and that is God. And only God has the right to judge. 
Only God can condemn and judge others. When you go to judging, remember who God is. Remember that you are not the judge. God is the judge. Are you following me tonight? Remember that you're not yet sitting on the throne. God is. Remember who God is. He doesn't need any help from us. God can save or God can destroy. We have no power to save or to destroy. Remember who God is. When you go to judging and criticizing, remember who God is. He alone has the right to carry that out. No man does. Are you with me now? All right, I'm going to leave it right there. You can fill in the rest. Number three, I've got to move quickly. Remember who you are. Notice that James asked the question, who are thou that judges another? In our modern day language, James is saying, who do you think you are judging others? It's not your job to judge or to condemn others. You are just flesh and blood like those that you're judging. If you have false failures, just like the other person that you're judging. You have strengths and weaknesses just like the others. And you are no more perfect than those that you're criticizing and judging. So stop judging and criticizing. Hello, church. I'm talking to you tonight. Remember who you are. You're not the judge. God is the judge. When we judge others, we are taking on the responsibility of God. There's only one God, and we're not Him. And I'm not Him, and you're not Him. And I know you want to get technical with me tonight and say, Oh, I'm the bride. We're little Jesuses. Technically, we are, but we haven't gotten there yet. Praise God. We're moving towards that. Amen. The message is like this. It's, it's forming us into the image of Jesus Christ. It's putting us in our places to know who we are. You can't rightly execute judgment unless you are in the right position. You believe it? Yes. When we judge others, we are passing judgment on God's word. And that is wrong. Because only the word can judge us. Look at Romans 14, verses 10 uh, through uh, 14. Are you with me? But why dost thou judge thy brother? Paul seems to be a little confused, doesn't he? He's kind of a little frustrated with the church here. And remember, he was, he, he was the apostle to uh, the Gentile church, the bride church, the first church. Paul was... The first messenger. And he's a little fluster with the religious people. He said, why doest thou judge thy brother? Or why doest thou set and not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. 
So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. You believe that? We will. We will. And it's oh, Brad Joseph, I don't believe that. I, I don't believe I have to. You are standing before God right now. You have, you have to give an account for every thought that crossed your minds. And you know what Brad Brown said about that? Your thoughts in heaven speaks louder than your voice on earth. And we have to give an account for those things so that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge rather this. Watch this. But judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, don't do anything that will cause them to want to judge you. Live by the word of God because the word is what's judging us. And if you will live by the word and not do anything outside of the word, they will have no reason to have to criticize or to judge you. He gave us a more perfect way of judging. He said, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, we can't just do our own things. We can't just do our own things. He said, well, nobody, I'm not judging. Nobody should judge me or criticize me. No, God didn't leave us out there lawless. He didn't leave us out there to just be vulnerable to the things of the world. He's saying but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Think of it, friends. If we will align ourselves with God's word, there'll be no reason for us to ever be critical or judgmental towards one another, which is a great percent of what causes many, many conflict in relationships. Whether it's in family relationship, church relationship, ministry relationship, or any relationship for that, this problem exists today. You believe it? Let me move on. Number seven, and I'm giving you the last, the last cure for conflict in family. Be willing to ask forgiveness. I know it's simple. Well, I, I don't ask God to forgive me. That's true. You have no problem asking God to forgive you over something that you've never done against him. Anybody can do that. Because it's an invincible, invisible image that you're praying to. It's not something that's tangible, that's standing before you, upright. The first thing that comes to mind is, I don't ask God to forgive me over that. I don't have a problem with that. But if you want to stop the conflicts in your life, if you want to get along with other people, avoid arguments, learn to ask forgiveness from God and from those you hurt. This is where it starts. I want you to go back to that person I asked you to think about at the beginning of this message in part one. You know of that one person that you have got that conflict with. That person that 
You can be totally calm, relaxed, at peace. Oh, you're loving everybody. But let that one person just show up around you one time. Then suddenly your blood gets to boiling. Your attitude changes. Your demeanor changes. All the love went out of your life. You're ready to fight in war. And, and this is why James says, from whence comes war and fightings. I want you to think about it. Don't say it loud. Think about that one. We all have one. I may have two or three. Who knows? Some may have a dozen. I don't know how many you got. At one point in my life, I quit counting. But thank God it's done just a couple now. No, I'm not telling you it is. You got to work on that area. You got to work on that area. Let me tell you something. You got to work in that area. As hard and as humbling as it is, you got to work in that area. How many wants to be in the rapture? You think we're ready for the rapture? Absolutely not. Amen. God is waiting for the readiness of the church. We can, we can fool people all we want to. We can, we can say it in our mind all we want to. We're a bride. We're going to the rapture. I can't wait until the rapture. But the rapture saying, I'm waiting on you. you. Believe it. So go back in your mind and think of that one person. That you would like to begin to resolve the conflict with that person. How many in your minds, don't raise your hands, I'm just asking you, would you like to resolve that conflict with that person? So how do you do it? Are you willing to go and apologize for your part? Listen, I'm going to preach right home. Y'all wanted me to come home, so I'm home now. Amen. You got mail. Amen. Are you willing to go to that person and say, you know what? I want to apologize. Maybe they're 95% wrong, and you're only 5% at fault. But you take care of the 5% and let God handle the other 90% in their life. Come on, church. I'm going to preach tonight. Amen. You take care of that 5% and let God take care of the 95%. I'm telling you how, how to, what the cure is for conflict in family. You say, well, Brother Joseph, you missed it. Actually, I'm just uh, 1% and they're 99%. It makes no difference. Amen. Eve, the, the serpent, told her 99% truths. It was just that one little percent that was off that caused us to be in the position that we're in tonight. You see, their response is their response. And I know I've had our differences, and I know I haven't always been thoughtful. And a lot of times, I thought more about myself than your needs. I'm just giving you some scenarios. You can start with that. Uh, you know, most of the time, I just thought about me, and I haven't thought about you. So I just want to apologize. Are you with me now? It's quiet in here. I got a granddaughter, Emily Rose. She's sharp. I'm telling you, Cameron and Bethany, they've made some smart kids. 
those kids are out with me every time. And she's always, when things get heated, that's her favorite saying. It's quiet in here. It's quiet in here. Come on, church. It's very quiet in here tonight. Because I'm all where you live. I apologize. You don't have to. I'm just telling you how God can change you. And change your family. Because it's, 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 it's wasteful time. When we all grudge us. Precious time are passing us. That we can spend with our brothers and our sisters. Our loved ones. You know it's not always possible. But the Bible says live peaceable with all men. If it's possible. You believe that? You see friends God wants us to come to that place. A time that we can empty out. And how humbling is that, right? Because God gives more grace to the humble. That's very humbling. When you have to come to someone and say, look, I thought more about myself than I did your needs. How humbling is that? Very humbling. But yet God says, but I'll give more grace to the humble. Hallelujah. How many like to have more grace? Then get more humble. Amen. Then God is going to give you more grace. And if you want to change the only way you're going to change is to be what? Humble. If you want changes to take place in your relationship, you got to start with humility. Lord, humble me, Lord God. Hallelujah. People don't like to hear about humbling and forgiving and apologizing. And you can either do it here or you can miss the rapture and I'll meet you at the judgment seats. Because I promise you, no arrogant spirit, no unforgiving spirit are going to ever touch the sod of heaven. You believe it? You can keep your unforgiving spirit as the ugliest spirit there is because God has forgiven you. And you ought also to forgive others. You believe it? If you want change, the only way you're going to have change is to be humble. And the only way to be humble is to go and ask forgiveness. It's hard. But do you want change? Do you want change? Come on now. I don't know where and who or what I'm talking to tonight. But I'm just telling you. Do you want change? Listen friends. I want change in my life. I don't want to stay the same person I am today. I want to be better tomorrow and the next day. I want spiritual evolution in my life. I'm tired of being the way that I am. Are you with me? Sometimes you just have to declare war on your own flesh and say, flesh, brother Ben, this means war. Hallelujah. This means war. Flesh, I'm going to declare war against you tonight. This means war. Are you following me tonight? Do you love him? Do you want to reduce the conflict in family and church family? And maybe the way to do it is by cracking the door open by taking the first step, even if they are primarily at fault. Admit what you brought into the relationship that was wrong. Admit it. 
Look, I brought the wrong attitude. I took the wrong stand. I said the wrong thing. I acted in the wrong way. I want to crack the door open by starting to ask you forgiveness by saying I brought something in this relationship that started this conflict. Whatever it is, I don't know. Only God knows. I'm not your judge. You judge yourself. Whatever it is, I want freedom, friends. I don't want to lock myself in a prison house to a brother or a sister or a family member. I don't want to miss the rapture over an old, rotten, nasty, unforgiven spirit in my life. I refuse to miss the rapture over that. You'll find out soon before I close, it's only the trick of the devil. You believe it? Admit what you brought into the relationship that was wrong. It's humbling, sure, but God gives grace to the humble. And maybe this week you need to write a letter, make a call, or, or, or make some restitutions even to that person who's irritated you. So look, I, I just want to write a letter to you. I don't know how to start, but I want to write a letter to you. Or I just want to make a phone call and I want to make some restitution. Before we can have restoration, you got to have restitution. Yeah. Hello, church. Yeah. Come on now. How many want restoration? Yeah. I'm getting ready to preach on this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, creation restores. God said everything is yours. God wants you to have this earth and everything that is in it because creation is restored. God didn't restore it by Jesus Christ to let Satan have it tonight. And I'll, you'll get more of that on Sunday. Creation restored, friends. Not just the earth, but this body. Your healing, your family. Everything that God has promised you. God wants restoration. But there must be restitution. Are you with me? Are you staying with me tonight, friends? God, help us in my prayer. I love him tonight. It's very humbling. Look at verse 10. Look there quickly with me at verse 10. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You see, God doesn't want you to keep, to keep you down on the ground. God doesn't want to keep you down on the ground. The way to honor is humility. Look at the scripture again. It said, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. God never sanctions or validates us being down. God doesn't want us to live down. He wants us to live up. Is that right? The scripture says, humble thyself before the Lord, and he shall lift you up. God wants us to live a life lifted up, not sad and despondent and down in the dump. He wants us to lift our heads up unto the hills from whence cometh our help. You believe it? No, he doesn't want to keep you down on the ground, but he wants to lift you up in honor and humility. And if you want to be honored by your family members and the Lord, it means what word? Humility. Come and say, God, I give up. And I can't do it all on my own. 
I give up. I humble myself first before God because the Bible says it there. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Your humility first needs to start with God. And say, Lord, I humble myself before you. And then God directs you to go to whomever it is of that one person or two person in your mind. And to say, you know what? I come humbly and I ask forgiveness. Let me tell you, it works. It works. It works in church. It works in family. It works in business. It works in transactions. It works in everything. Your humility will gain you power in every aspect of your life. Absolutely. I credit a man that is humble and asks forgiveness uh, uh, 99% over a man that uh, is not humble. And a man who is arrogant to know it all and everything like that. But I love a person who is willing to say, I was wrong. Hallelujah. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You realize, saints of God, that God wants you to live lifted up. Oh, we used to sing the old song years ago. Lord, lift me up and let me stand. By faith in heaven, save the land. You believe it, friends. God doesn't want us to live down in the dumps and just walking around just aimlessly. He has given us directives through his word tonight. And those directives, when they go into our mouths and come back out, and we begin to reverberate those words from our hearts, then life comes into them. You believe it? It then becomes electric in our lives. Are you willing to say tonight, Lord, I need your power to resist the devil when he says, live for yourself. I want power to overcome Satan when he wants to make me self-centered and a narcissist and all these things. I want to have the power to resist the devil when he says, live for yourself. Look at Philippians. I got to close. Philippians 2 and 3. Let nothing be done through vain to strive or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Isn't that what Timothy talked about? Second Timothy in the last day, man will be heady, high-minded. What is the problem with people today? They're too high-minded. This is why they can't ask forgiveness. And this is a key ingredient in family relationship, in church relationship, in business relationship, in all relationships. You believe it? Let nothing be done in in strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because this is the mind that Jesus had. He had in his mind to uh, look upon the needs of others. To look not on his own, but on the things of others. And was to esteem others even more than himself. This is why he took a towel and he guarded himself. And he took a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. And he asked Peter, that can I wash your feet? And he said, thou wash them. Lord, I'm not worthy. He said, for you don't even wash my feet. Thou will not even wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. How humbling. Think about that. The God of creation. 
Everything that ever was, the Logos, God himself was born into Jesus Christ. And he gave us one of the greatest examples of any humankind here on earth. He came and robed himself as a foot wash flunky and washed his disciples' feet. Oh, humbling, Brother Ben. Oh, humbling. Think about that. It's sobering, friends. Very sobering tonight. So let me understand that he said, let this mind being you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So he's not saying here, forget about your needs. But he's saying, don't be so wrapped up in your needs that you forget about the needs of others. And perhaps you need to pray in your heart, Lord, would you help me to think of others and not just my own desires. Help me to be willing to admit when I am wrong. Maybe you need to go to somebody before this week is over and apologize and say, I've been selfish and I'm sorry. You see, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's humbling, friends. It's humbling. You know the first thing that the devil will tell you? When you come to this place and you made this decision to end conflict, people are going to think that you really wasn't a Christian. The devil will point you to the weaker side of who you were. But you got to understand, you're getting ready to change from what you was to something greater than what Satan has condemned your life over. Because the moment you do that, it's completely eradicated. And God thinks of you now as a son of God. You believe it? You see, God will give you the power to change and become the person you've always wanted to be. And the Bible says in verse 10, I'm closing. He lifts you up. Hallelujah. He lifts you up. But before honor is humility. Then would you pray, God, tonight... The musicians come. I want to give into you tonight. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is how you end conflict in family. Resist the devil. Resist that temptation to want to be combative and argumentative and he will flee from you tonight. Would you, would you say that tonight? I want to give in to God tonight. I give you my life, my marriage, my family, my business. I submit it all to you tonight. And I ask you to put the peace of Christ in my heart to rule. Help me to be wise to Satan. Because I understand here, there's only one key player in this old passage that we are speaking of in James 4. And that is Satan. It mentions resist the devil and he will flee from you. It is not your brother, your sister, your family, your church member, your associate, your business partner, or anybody else that is the enemy. It is that old serpent, that old reptile, that old dragon called the devil tonight. Are you following me tonight? Yes. Ask God to help you to be wise to Satan. To realize he plays on your pride and tells you things you want to hear that makes matters worse. He's the one that gives you that feelings of wanting to keep our conflict and strives. And what good is it in the church for us to hold ill feelings and all kinds of grudges and then call ourselves Christians? 
How are we going to ever make the rapture? And God is saying, forget about it. Cut the thing loose tonight and say, God, I'm going on with Jesus. Are you willing to do it? Say, Father, help me to grow closer to you. To make time in my schedule for time with you. Father, I admit that my times, many times, have put me first and I've asked you to forgive me. Help me to become more like Jesus. How many wants to become more like Jesus? I told the Lord Jesus today, Brother Nathan, I know you've been praying for me, buddy. And that's why I know many of you have been praying for me. I could have, I wouldn't have been here. This morning I got a friend. I couldn't even move my leg. I couldn't get out of the bed. My legs are swollen. I couldn't do anything. But I'm here tonight because somebody cared and they prayed. And I believe you're going to pray me through the victory. And I prayed you so many times, and there's going to be a testimony the next time I come back to you that there's not one speck of symptoms there. You believe it? Believe God's going to do it. Help me to become more like Jesus. Brother Bram said, on that day, uh, all the days of my life, I want to be so in love with Jesus. Can I get a witness? I want to be so in love with Jesus. Uh, all the things and desirable of my life of this world to be crucified. I'll be more like Jesus each day to be so much like him till others will see Jesus in me. Just raise your hands to God and say, God, make me more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. To have the attitude that he had. To not only look upon my own interests, but upon the interests of those around me. Are you willing to say, teach me, Lord, to say, that will be done instead of me first. That will be done, Lord. Hallelujah, that will be done. In whatever condition it is, in whatever you're facing. I don't know why this sickness has come upon me. I don't know why Satan has attacked my body so heavy in this way. But I pray this prayer today. Father, that will be done. Not me first. Maybe you want me to pray more. I prayed all night. But maybe you want me to pray day and night. I want to come before you, Lord. I want to be more like Jesus. You believe it. In the message that day in Calvary, Abraham said, the first thing I want to say is Jesus never lived for himself. His life was spent for others. That's perfectly eternal life. When you say you go to church and you do go, uh, good things, that's fine. Pardon. But when you live your life to yourself, you haven't eternal life. Eternal life is living for others. Isn't that wonderful? How to end conflict. How, how to, what's the cure for conflict? Start living for the other person. What did the brother Bram do when the bull came and the bees came and everything else came and the maniac came? What did he do? He felt sorry for them. Come on, church. Do you feel sorry for the person who constantly want to fight with you? Who constantly want to embarrass you? Who constantly want to make you feel little? Do you feel sorry for that person? Why don't you start by feeling sorry for that person? Come on now. Brother Brandon went to his doctor for an examination. 
And they both had a, a, this a conversation. It went like this. Revelation chapter 5, verse uh, part 1, 1961, June 11th. And I said, well, Doc, I don't know just how long I'm going to be around. We're both in our 50s. Man, when I read this, I really got to praying. Man, what are you talking about, prophet? Man, speak for yourself. We're both in our 50s. Say, well, that's true, Bill. I said, but these years, about 31 years of ministry now, I've kept my heart prepared for that hour when he comes. So it doesn't matter when he comes. He said, that, that is true. I said, the greatest thrill I have is living for others. Oh, my. Oh, brother, man, made me want to crawl up somewhere and just pray through. He said, the greatest thrill I have is living for others. He said, that's what life is. Makes life real. Is not what you can do or accomplish for yourself, but what you can do for others. God help us tonight. You appreciate him tonight. You really want to be more like Jesus. Would you stand with me to your feet? And right now, I don't know what it is. I'm going to give you this week to just make that call. Go to that person and say, forget this. We shouldn't have to come in one door and go to another door. We should be able to look at each other in the eye and say, you my brother. What is it that we need to get cleared up? Let's clear it up. You're going to either do it here or you're going to do it over there, friends. I don't want no trouble at the gate. I don't want any gate trouble. I don't want to be in the same room with a believer and there's a white elephant somewhere. Amen. I want to be able to look at a person and say, you know what? You're my brother. You're my sister. Let's, let's get this thing taken care of. Remember the cure for conflicts are, one, God's grace. Two, give in to God. Three, resist Satan. Four, draw, draw closer to God. Five, be sorrowful for the conflict. Six, don't be critical and judgmental of others. Remember who the others are. Remember who God is. Remember who you are. And seventh, be willing to ask forgiveness. In my next session, I will cover the applications to avoid conflict. But tonight, are you willing? Are, are you at that place? Uh, as, as God, is God going to have to put you on your back or do something drastic to get you to that place to say, there's no schism in the body. I can't have any schism in my life. I can't just go to church with someone and avoid that person. If you're in this room tonight and you're feeling that way, you, you just, in your heart, you say, God, I got to let this thing go right now. I got to let it go because I want, I want to fellowship with God's people. Remember who the others are. Remember who the others are. They're your brother and your sister. Hey, you may not like my tie. You, you, you may not even like uh, me. But you know what? We serve the same God. If we're going to make the rapture, we got to come together church. You realize that? Young people, you're going to have to come together. Yes. Amen. Mothers and fathers, you're going to have to come together. 
and forget all the foolishness and, and, and come together in love and unity and, and, and serve God together and fight for each other. I don't want to hear one fighting amongst the young people in this church. You ought to be fighting for each other. You parents ought to be fighting for one another. You ought to have each other's back. Let me tell you, that's what, that's what Christianity is, living for others. If you can't fight for your brother in your church, sure enough, not going to fight anymore for anybody else. Come on now. I'm willing to fight. You heard the Brother Branham said, we Branhams, we may fight in the backyard, but in the front yard, we're going to put our arms around each other. Yeah, we're going to have some disputes and some fight, but brother, we need to show the devil tonight that we are going to make it by the grace of God. You believe it? I don't know why this message went this way, but God, I, I'm sorry I had to come back in this condition to tell you, no, I'm not sorry. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Amen. I love you with the love of God as your pastor. Amen. God told me this morning to get up and go to church and pray. And pray, and I'm going to give you the sermon. I'll give you the rest of the material for the message tonight. I know you already had it, but I'm going to rewrite the sermon. Amen for you tonight. And I want you to go into the house of the Lord and deliver that message to the people of God. And tell them to live in love and to love one another. Can I tell you what God told me to tell you? Love one another. Young people, love one another. There's not another sister in this church. These young sisters shouldn't love. And young men in this church, they, they should not love another young man. And love the Lord together and journey in this life. You know what Satan would like to do to you young people and you parents is to divide you and to crucify you and to cause you to fight against each other and have odds and indifferences and all these things to break you up that you're not a unified body. I'm just going to tell you the truth. As the pastor of the church, i got to tell you what God told me to tell you tonight. End the conflict. In your immediate family, end the conflict. Raise up the white flag and surrender to one another and say, I surrender to you and you surrender to me. I raise up the white flag and surrender that the war is over. Reading this morning, the book of Luke chapter 22, Jesus is talking about the swords. And one said he has one, the other, and, and then they turn around, missed the point entirely, and said, we have two swords. And Jesus said, I have none of that. You missed the point entirely. In this kind of a fellowship, you don't need swords. You need the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Put up the sword. Put up the war bonnet. Put up the war pass. Wipe your face of the war paint and start living in love in the name of Jesus. Do you love him tonight? God bless you tonight. I love you. I feel compelled to do something tonight. I want to ask this church to come forward and stand around me here tonight and let me pray the love of God in this congregation. And to, for those of you online, God bless you, we love you. Meet me back here Sunday morning. Uh, creation restored Sunday morning by the grace of God. I want the entire church to come right now. And we are going to pray in love. And we